Wow, what a powerful, powerful time of baptism. If you would like to take your next step of discipleship in terms of baptism, our next occasion for baptizing is April the 18th. So there's a link right here on the screen. Feel free to sign up. You can go ahead and sign up right now. Also, I want to encourage you, if you're watching on Facebook, please go ahead and share this gathering. I want to make sure that this message gets out far and wide. And if you're not watching on Facebook, then by all means, share the link to our website. I want to take just a few moments and just make a really quick announcement uh, before we jump into the message. Last weekend, some of you may or may not know that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the churches, synagogues, and mosques here in California are allowed to reopen physically up to 25% of their building capacity, but are not allowed to do any singing or chanting or uh, that form of worship. So some people have been asking us, okay, NBCC, what are you going to do? So I met with our leadership team and elders, and we are anxious uh, to see tons of faces filling up our facilities, but not now. We've decided that we want to stay the course uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, we don't think in terms of reopening. We think of, of regathering in person, but not reopening. Here's why. Uh, over the last year, most of that time, we've been sheltered in place. Over 400 people have made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Uh, tons of people are serving in small groups and online uh, in our digital ministries, and we are attracting thousands of views from across the country and across the world. We are both witnessing and working for Jesus Christ. We're not closed, we're open. Uh, so as badly as I would love to be teaching to a room full of people, uh, as well as looking into this camera, we're only going to take that step when we think that it is the most safe. So really, there's two points that you want to keep in mind. We want to make sure that we're able to do it with a full worship experience, the NBCC way, singing and kids ministry, etc. And lastly, that determination will not be uh, shaped around what's legally permissible. We're going to look very closely at what is safe and healthy and allows us to have an experience for our entire worship community. Now, I say entire worship community because I just want to make sure that some of you may not be aware, but black and Latino Americans are contracting COVID-19 four times the rate of our white counterparts and dying at three times the rate. So when we do reconvene as a community, it is just a simple expression of the love of Jesus Christ to make sure that we do it in a way that everybody is healthy and safe, our entire community. And I want to make sure that as many of our staff people uh, who would like to would have an option uh, to be vaccinated in that they were going to be engaging with the public. That's what it looks like from our perspective to lead with love. We'll keep you uh, informed. Check out this video and I'll be back on the other side with the message.
If you're watching this on February 14, it's Valentine's Day, guys. And so I just want to take a moment and wish you a happy and blessed Valentine's. Whether you're in a couple, whether you're single, here's God's word to you in this moment. God says to tell you, he loves you. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. It's another day for us to be reminded of the incredible power and reality of your love. Now, Lord, would you help us to connect the dots today? Help us to connect the dots between knowing the power of your love in our lives and our ability to be resilient. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, listen, guys, if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, this is the second to the very last week of a series that I've called A New Beginning. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be resilient. And if you have missed the bulk of the series, I want to encourage you to just simply go to our website. The link is right here on the screen and make sure that you, uh, you catch up. Because here's the deal. If you're looking for a fresh start that's going to yield high productivity for your life, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or a CEO uh, or, or electrician or plumber, this is the series for you. Or a high school student or middle school student or college student, this is the series for you. And if you've been tracking with us for a few weeks, you know that I'm talking about the nation of Israel and how through exile it lands right in the, in the heart of the Babylonian kingdom, uh, exile there. And God raises up the prophet Isaiah and in a very surprising way say to them, listen guys, uh, I know you can't imagine it, but I'm about to do something fresh and brand new right where life has landed you. And I'm going to make you productive and impactful right there. And that is the same God that has orchestrated your interacting with this series and orchestrated your hearing me today. Because he's saying, you might not be able to imagine it in the midst of pandemic and escalating numbers around COVID and all the other drama and trauma that's happening in your life, but I can and I want to, if you will cooperate, give you a fresh start that will yield high productivity and impact for your life, right where life has landed you. Let's look at what the prophet of Isaiah says in this context. Forget the former things, he writes. Do not dwell on the past, he says to the nation of Israel. See, God uses him to declare, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm And streams in the wasteland. And there he ends the reading. And I've been saying that, listen, if you want a fresh start that's going to yield high productivity, you know what you want to do? You want to connect to God's process of redemption. And the word redemption just simply means that God is at work. Even if you can't perceive it, he's at work right now making life better. And you want to connect to this process. That's how to get a fresh start that leads towards high productivity and impact, regardless of who you are. And over the last several weeks, I've said, look, there are some steps, or you might want to use the term stages, that you have to work through in partnership with God to allow him to have his way as he includes you in his work of redemption. And this week, I want to just talk about step five, which is you got to be committed to being resilient. Listen to what the text says. I will, God declares. Notice, he's doing the work. I will create rivers and dry wasteland. Listen, is there a part of your life that feels like a wasteland? It feels like it's not productive? It feels like there's no more dreaming that's happening? Nothing innovative that's happening? Come on. He says, I'll make rivers in a dry wasteland. Listen, 
when God takes a desert and raises up not just a river, but rivers throughout the desert, you know what happens? The infertile ground becomes resilient and becomes fertile. And now the new fertility that's in that well-watered desert (laughs) begins to produce fruitfulness. God says, I want to do that. God says, I can do that with your life if you are just just partner with me, come on now, inside of a real living relationship with me. So let's look at the definition for resilience. Here it is. This is a dictionary definition. Check it out. The ability to become strong, healthy, or successful again. Everybody shout again. Type that in the chat. Again, after something bad happens. Here's what I know, guys. Listen, if you want to be successful in a career, If you want to be successful in a relationship, if you want to be successful in the the work of parenting, you've got to be resilient. Listen, you might say, well, what does resilience look like? Well, uh, it looks like the Warriors. (laughs) Earlier this week, uh, the Golden State Warriors, they went to San Antonio in 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 the gym there at San Antonio, and uh, they got embarrassed as San Antonio defeated them uh, and left them humiliated, uh, the Warriors, that is, uh, having turned the ball over 20-plus times. But can somebody say resilient? 24 hours later, the Warriors returned to the same gym and with... uh, tough-mindedness and clear discipline. Come on. They defeat San Antonio Spurs by 24 points with only five turnovers. Can somebody say resilience? Uh, Listen, resilience looks like Bethany Hamilton. I've talked about her before, one of my uh, heroes. At 13 years old, she was an up-and-coming surfer, and she was lying on her surfing, uh, on her surfboard. And a shark came up and literally ripped off her arm. They were sure she was going to die. And they were completely confident that her career in surfing was done. Not only did God spare her life, but two years later she retrained herself to surf. And she became, won a national surfing championship. You see her here. And ultimately today, she's an author. There's been movies written about her. She's a mom and a wife. Can somebody say resilience? What does resilience look like? Well, it looks like Abraham Lincoln, who throughout the bulk of his life struggled with mental health challenges, primarily clinical depression. Sometimes it was, so, it was almost impossible for him to get out of bed. But he found a way to get out of bed. And as the 16th president of the United States led us through a horrendous civil war. You want to know what resilience looks like? It looks like Jesse and Pally Cottenham. Jesse is... Uh, is the, uh, is the lead uh, director of our, of our life groups, our small groups ministries. You've seen him probably before. Uh, they've been married for 42 years. You can't be married for 42 years without being resilient. You want to know what it looks like? It looks like Pastor Dan and Rebecca Monroe. They've been married 50 years. And both of these couples, you see the smile and the jaw on your face. Now listen, anybody who's been married or dating for six weeks, <laughs> you know that to be, to, to be with somebody for 42 years and 50 years, somebody shout resilience. <laughs> Praise God, resilience. 
Now, so today I want to talk to you a little bit about resilience. But I want to talk about human resilience because human resilience, as it's generally taught, has everything to do just with you and you alone. It just has to do with your mental toughness or emotional toughness or your ability to pull yourself up. And that's, there's a lot of heroic stories about that. I don't want to downplay that. That's incredibly important. It's part of the fabric of our world. But I want to talk about spiritual resilience because I think that's just one grade higher than just human resilience. Now, see, can you pick out what I mean when I say spiritual resilience as I quote this text? Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you see the I-thou relationship? That when I come to the end of my rope, it is simply God's beginning. And, 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 and if I have a relationship with the, with the great redeemer, he is inexhaustible in his ability to supply me and resource me with what I need to be resilient. Uh, uh, notice this verse. I'm more than a con- uh, excuse me, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. Do you see the uniqueness there? The first example is an I-thou relationship. This example is a we-thou relationship. In other words, if you really want to maximize spiritual resilience, you, you, you need not only a relationship with God, the great redeemer, but you need a relationship with a spiritual community, with a community of believers who are doing life with you. You saw that illustrated in these incredible baptism. Uh, the, the, the gentleman that was, one of the gentlemen that was baptized uh, uh, came into a deeper place in his faith in the we of his small group. And he shares about how his small group became totally transformational, brought him to a place where he's ready to take a deeper step with God. That's the we and the I thou. The young man Solomon, a 10-year-old, Uh, his parents didn't have to get him to to jump onto the computer and become a part of our kids ministry week after week he loves the community and the learning and and that is what set him on fire to say I want to be baptized and when we baptized him the other day you know the first thing he did on Monday when he went to school he shouted it from the rooftop to let the class know he said look I've been baptized and someone said well what do you mean by baptized some of the kids asked he says I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I was baptized to publicly demonstrate that. He he came to know the power of faith in Jesus in community. You need the we of spiritual community, and you need the thou. So, with that in mind, let me just give you this definition for spiritual resilience. It's, 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 It's human tenacity combined with a trust in God's faithfulness, and you can add that's lived out in community. There are three insights that I want to just quickly walk you through that you need to have in order to, to be blessed and empowered by spiritual resilience. And, and they all come with the assumption that you have a living relationship with God. The first insight is this, that, 
Spiritual resilience involves faith in the God who specializes in redeeming the improbable and the impossible. You see it here in this text, right? In the text it says, God says, I'm going to make a pathway through the wilderness. That's improbable in that context. To make a pathway through the thickness of the wilderness. And I'm going to create rivers right in the heart of the desert land. Back in that agrarian uh, culture, uh, uh, rivers flowing out of nowhere. That's, that's nearly impossible. And what God is saying to the nation of Israel and what God is saying to you if your dreams have died up come on what God is saying to you if your relationships have died up what God is saying to you is that I am the redeeming God who who specializes in redeeming the improbable and the impossible come on now don't give up on me give me a chance lean in you know my grand uncle who raised me as his own son early in his life his first wife died. He was convinced he would never probably meet another person who he could love or who would love him that way. My grand aunt, way tons and tons of miles away in the same state of Louisiana, broke free of a domestic violent marriage. Can someone say resilience? Went back, got her GED, but was convinced that she'd never meet anyone who would cherish her and love her in a way that she should be cherished and loved. And she was cool with that. She was ready to be, you know, she bought her own house. And she, was, she was cool with that. But the, the, but the God who redeems the improbable and the impossible, who causes rivers to rise up in the, right in the midst of wastelands in our lives, uh, it, it is that God who brought them together in marriage and they both found in each other what they never anticipated ever existed. And through their coming together in marriage, they created a home and adopted a little scarred two-year-old boy. That was me. And because of God's improbable work in their lives, I'm here to teach and preach to you today. I'm here to celebrate a God who specializes in doing the impossible and the improbable. The second insight here as it relates to resilience. I got to know that God can do the impossible and the probable. That means I always have hope, right? And I live that out in community. But the second insight is this. It involves confidence in a God who is with me but also ahead of me. Anybody who's ever done any counseling with me, you're gonna, you, you hear this line because this is the anchor of, 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 of being confident in God that he can see you through anything, that he's with you to strengthen and empower you. And one of the ways he's with you is through community, right? And the other way is through the power of his spirit. But he's also ahead of you. He's, whatever tragedy and trial you're going to go through, he's already made provisions. No, notice how this is illustrated. We're studying Isaiah 43, right? Back up to the beginning of Isaiah 43. And here's what you're going to read. God declares, do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. I'm, I'm going to make your broken history work for you. Come on now. I have redeemed you. I, I, I've already seen where you're going to go off the road in the future, but I've already figured out how I can make that work for your good. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Type that in the chat. You are mine. I remember as a kid, as a high schooler, in my first few years in college, couldn't find anybody who would date me or fall in love with me because I was, had to wearing scars and all that other stuff. And yet, God 
spoke a word in my life that, that enabled me to be resilient and to keep moving forward despite that context. You know what word he spoke to my, what he revealed to me? This, Herman, you are mine. And I know how lonely Valentine's Days can be if you're all by yourself. But, but once I realized this, what I really heard God saying to me every Valentine's Day, don't worry about it, man. I got you, God says. I got you. You are my Valentine. I, I, I just want someone, some elderly person is sitting in a room watching this all by yourself. I want you to hear God says, I see you. You're my Valentine's. Uh, some high schooler, middle schooler, you can't fit into the in group and you feel isolated, invisible, and all by yourself. I want you to hear God says, I see you. You're my Valentine's. Some, some person who feels like your life is washed up. You got grandkids who love you, but they're never around. You got kids who love you, but they're never around. God says, I see you. You're my valentine. Somebody who's had their heart shattered because of the loss of a loved one or because of the challenge of physical disability and you feel undervalued and invisible. God says, I see you and I want you to hear. You are mine. Oh, that backs us up into the third insight. You see, if I, if, if I have a relationship with a God who's improbable, uh, who redeems the improbable and the impossible, and a relationship with a God who's both with me but also ahead of me, look at how this text finishes. It says, when you go through the rivers and when you, uh, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through fire, notice resilient is really about understanding I'm passing through the season. Come on now. You will not be burned. And then notice here, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Look at this implied relationship. It's not just automatic. I, I'm, I'm inviting you to be in relationship with me in order to activate this kind of resilience. Wow. Praise God. The third insight is this. It involves a trust in a God who loves us with an everlasting love. His love is everlasting. And listen, uh, you know, one of the, uh, in, in uh, Jeremiah 31.3, it says, God says to the nation of Israel, the same people, he says, look, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With love and kindness have I drawn you. That same God shows up in the person of Jesus, sacrifices his life for us. And someone says that the best example of resilience is resurrection from the dead itself. He's a God that rises from the dead, right? And here's how First John describes uh, this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. My God, if you know that he has loved you in an, with an everlasting love, that, that, that's the power of resilience. I can get up again. Here's what Paul says. Here's what Paul says. And I am convinced that nothing, come on now, not my yesterday's sins, not the fact that I've shattered this relationship over here, not the fact that I've got kicked out of this classroom over here, not the fact that I've landed in prison, not the fact that my addiction has a stronghold on me. No, no. Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for the day. And he goes on to say, no power in the sky above or on earth. Indeed, nothing, somebody shout nothing, in all of God's creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Here's the relationship. Our Lord, somebody shout, our Lord. 
Hang on. You got a relationship. God is at work in your life. He's continually committed to making things better. And his love is dependable. Allows you and me to be resilient. That's why I want to call your attention to uh, 40 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to start on February 24th. For some of you, you don't have that relationship with Jesus yet. And I want to suggest that you ought to make a commitment, even today, to have that relationship and, uh, and, and, and join in this period of prayer and fasting. It's the way we reconsecrate ourselves to go to the next level with God. Some of you, certainly you, you trust in, in Jesus, but it, it's time for you to move to another level. That you can know the kind of God operating your life in the way that I'm talking about and know it inside of community. Let me just say a quick word about uh, uh, both the fasting and the community. Here's a word about fasting. You know, 40 days. Whenever God got ready to do something new, it usually happened over 40 days. When Jesus got ready to inaugurate his public ministry, it was after 40 days of prayer and fasting. And so I'm challenging you. Next week, we'll talk more about it. Identify a passion that occupies a place in your life, whether social media, food, or coffee, or whatever. Give it up for 40 days. Use that for prayer and studying God's word. And if you sign up, I'll send you an email every week, every day, for 40 days that has a prayer and a scripture. It'll take you less than five minutes. But you're leading in and saying, God, I want to know you better. I want your power to be released in my life fuller. If you're a high schooler, middle schooler, this goes for you. It's nothing like my high school or middle school whose heart is set on fire by faith. I want to challenge you to check that out. The last thing I want to talk about, so this is all about what, this is all about spiritual resilience. Know a God who redeems the improbable and the impossible. Know a God who's with you and ahead of you. Know a God who loves with an everlasting love and that love cannot be shattered by anything. And that will fuel your ability to be resilient. Let me say a word about relational resilience as I begin to wrap this up. Relational resilience, listen. Whether you're talking about your relationship with your siblings or your adult kids or your parents or people that you're dating or married to or your colleagues at work, if you're going to have a substantive, rich, lasting relationship, your relationship has to be resilient. It's got to be able to bounce back from heartbreak and disappointment. And, 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 and it's got to be able to not only bounce back, but survive and grow. I want to challenge you in terms of your homework. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. And on your own time, in the course of the next 24 hours, I want you to sit down and look at those attributes of what I want to call resilient love and see how you measure up against those attributes and where you need to lean in. And I want to challenge you to make sure you're back here next week to hear Pastor Tilden because he's going to talk about this notion of the power of forgiveness. In order for you to have a resilient relationship, come on now, you got to be forgiven. You, 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 you got to be engaged in forgiveness. And he's going to talk about that, so make sure you're back. Today, though, I want to just end this time of teaching really where uh, I kind of left last week. And it's really around this word, empathy. 
one of the most distinguished characteristics of, that is required in a resilient relationship, I believe, whether you're married or, like I said, siblings or colleagues at work, is empathy. Here's the definition. The ability to understand and share the feelings of others. Understand and share the feelings of others. I told you that empathy is at the heart of the gospel. Even when the prophet Isaiah was, was prophesying about the coming of Jesus and his carrying his cross and being crucified on the cross, here's what he says, surely he took up our pain, took up our pain and bore our suffering. The gospel of John declares that that same Jesus enters into our story when he says, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Empathy is, has everything to do with taking up the other person's pain and, and learning how to, how to help bear the other's suffering in the experience. Now, I bring this up because last week I talked to you about uh, one of the ways to live out empathy is through our dialogue across our differences. And I gave you this formula. Remember this formula I gave you last week? I said sometimes you may hear something uh, and it may offend you from someone that's different than you. I said don't accuse them. Don't attack them. Just, just don't assume the worst about them. Just simply say, look, here's how I'm hearing that statement as a, I'll just put in here, as an African-American male. Am I hearing you correctly? And sometimes the answer will be, oh, absolutely no, I didn't mean that. And then you can explain why you heard it that way. And sometimes the answer will be, yes, that's exactly what I mean. And then if that's the case, uh, then simply uh, go to the next slide. Go, go to the next slide. Please help me to understand that perspective. Now bounce back, if you will, just for a moment. Bounce back. Now I'm, I'm returning to this. Because last week I told a story about an Asian-American beloved member of our community who said to me, hey, P.H., listen, when I see you, I don't see color. I see you. And I told you that I used this, this form that was helpful for me to be able to communicate to him. Uh, can I say how I, what I hear when I hear you say that statement? Uh, what I hear as an African-American male when you say that I, I don't see color, I just see you. What I really hear you say is I don't actually see you. Because it's important to me that you see my color. Because it is a unique part of who I am. Now, when I was teaching this, uh, and then, of course, I asked him, you know, of course, he, wow, it was like it opened up a whole new world for him, right? Now, when I was, my family and I were watching me teach this at home, because we do worship together like you guys. And my mother-in-law, who's 72 years old, said, Wait a minute, I don't know why you had that reaction. I think what he said was wonderful. It's awesome. My daughter, who's 16 years old, said, oh, no, 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 I totally agree with that. You don't know, if you don't see my color, you don't fully see me. My wife, who's, see that? You thought I was going to, no, I ain't telling her age. Come on now, this is Valentine's Day. I know what's up. I got to go home. See, y'all thought you were going to get me in trouble. Uh-uh. <laughs> Who, my wife who's somewhere between 16 and 72, come on now, <laughs> says, I see it from both sides. And then I said to both of them, the point wasn't whether you agreed with me or not. I said, the point was simply to teach you how to communicate, how to dialogue across differences. To recognize that your experience is not a universal experience. And if someone says something that is offensive to you, don't assume the worst. 
enter a dialogue with them by saying, you know what I hear you say as a Latino male, or what I hear you say as a, as a white person, or what I hear you say as someone who's been poor all my life, or what I hear you say as a second generation immigrant. Uh, and you can just run this through all of the air, different ways. Listen, we're married cross-culturally. And, and so this works, at, you know, as I hear you, you know what I'm hearing you saying, you know, as someone who's come through a previously abusive relationship. And it opens up the opportunity for the other person to hear your story and share your burden. Empathetic. And of course, the other person should never say by some means, oh, your, your experience doesn't have value. Don't, dis, don't discredit other people's story. Okay, let me talk about carrying one another's burden in a different way. I understand this is the, uh, I think called it Chinese... Uh, Asian American New Year and on our staff we were talking about this diversity uh, issues and we have very diverse class staff and an Asian American told us uh, and shared how all across America Asian Americans are being picked out and abused and beaten up on knocked down on the streets and recently the target has been elderly Asian Americans that a few days ago in Oakland, a 91-year-old, they caught on film. Someone jumped on him and beat him up and left him on the street. And as one of our African-American staff members heard this horrendous story, he started to weep. And, 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 and as he wept, it was a reminder. He was weeping because he was being touched by this Asian American story. He was entering into the feelings. That's how it should be. Let me just first say a couple of things and I'm wrapping this up. Number one, there's something evil happening in our world. And in our country when people are being picked out, you're picking out Asian Americans because of their ethnicity and then taking the least vulnerable among them and beating them up, that is the height of evil. And we all should be touched and should weep with those who weep. Help them to bear up amidst it. So I want to just suggest a couple things that you can do if you've been touched by this story. The first thing is extend love. If you know some Asian Americans in your circles, reach out to them. Say, look, I heard about this, that this is happening to you guys all over the country. I'm just calling to tell you I'm extending love to you, that, that I'm praying for you, that I'm, I'm with you, that I've been touched by this story. I'm sorry this is happening to you. Tell me how I can be supportive. Secondly, stand up. Somebody shall stand up. What I mean by simply saying stand up is if you happen to be in a circle where you hear people talking about Asian Americans in a horrible kind of dispurging way, stand up. You know, the scripture says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for others. You know, the, most of this message I've been talking about what it means to be a recipient of the love of God that pours into our life through Jesus. But, but part of what it means to be a Jesus follower it's not to be just a recipient, but to be an instrument. And Jesus teaches us that loving the way he loves means that sometimes we've got to take some risk, right? Sometimes we've got to take some risk. Might lose a job, might lose a friend, might be kicked out of a group. But if you hear people talking dispurgingly, 
be a Jesus follower and stand up. Whatever the group might be that's being dispersed. You know what? That's an act of love. And it is an act of courage. All right, I'm finished. I want to just end by celebrating a group of people who every day live their lives as acts of courage and acts of love. And that's the first responders. On this Valentine's Day, I want to send some love to our first responders. First, I can want to highlight my wife, Rhonda. She's a physician, and here she is in her PPE, uh, along with another physician, and she... She's the medical director at our hospital, and she helps to lead the COVID effort. And in addition to being just remarkable, uh, in this context, she represents all of the doctors who are putting their lives on the line every day. And then I want to point this person out. Her name is Stephanie uh, Belton. This is her with her husband, who's no, who's an elder here. Stephanie is a nurse at the Highland Hospital in Oakland. She works in the emergency department. For the last eight, nine months, she's been caring for people who have COVID. Last week, she came down with COVID herself. It took about a four or five days of recovery, and then she back to a 12-hour shift, even though she's suffering with the fatigue from the COVID. She is a reminder. Together, her and Rhonda are reminders of all the first Responders, whether they're doctors or nurses or EMT workers or ambulance drivers or firemen and firewomen, all the first responders who risk their lives as instruments of courage and love every day. I just want to make sure that those of you who are listening to me in that context, I want you to hear me say that God sees you and we see you and we celebrate you today. I also want to highlight Stephanie because she represents the countless of thousands of first responders who have quietly suffered as victims of COVID themselves and many of them have lost their lives. I just want to say to family members and to those who have been through the experience with staff, I just want to say to all of you on this day we say thank you. and We dedicate this Valentine's Day to you guys. Lord, bless our first responders. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Valentine's Day. Okay, so listen, how will you respond to this message? I want to challenge you right now. If you have our app, just simply open up the app. Look for the connection card section there in the app. You'll see a Sunday screen in that section, and then you'll see connection card, then you'll see next steps. When you open up the next steps, you've got a number of next steps, including you can check, I want to serve, because we've uh, invited you to do that earlier in this worship gathering. But also, I want to challenge you, as you're thinking about being resilient, you need that I-thou relationship. And it begins, I want to encourage you, that it begins with Jesus Christ. Say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can go ahead and check that. And there are some other options as well. As it relates to the message response, I want to challenge you to affirm by checking the message response. Here it is. I will model empathy in my relationships beginning right now. Even if you're not looking at an app, just raise your hand and say, count me in. I'm going to start right now. And then here is my message challenge. It's kind of a, a new thing I'm introducing today. I want to challenge you from the message. Here it is. Identify one thing you can do to demonstrate your appreciation to and for first responders and do it. 
this week. Okay? All right. Make sure you come back next week so that you can hear Pastor Tilden as he wraps up this series uh, with Be Forgiving. That's the message for next week. And don't forget, again, if you want to sign up to serve, there's a link right here on the screen. And finally,